Hello. Hi there. Hello. 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 Um, Hello. Hello. Hi. How you been? What you been doing? Um, eBaying. All oh, right. Okay. How's that going? Uh, not too bad. Um, I out of the six items that were up for sale from last Wednesday, four of them have sold, which is pretty good. And the two that haven't have very little value attributed to them. So it's not a surprise that they didn't sell. Um, and then a phone, a Nokia phone, a, a, a phone that I probably stopped using in 2003. Mm. Um, that sold for £18. Probably to a drug dealer. Probably. But that's, hey, gonna be a, that's a burner. You just sold a burner. You I sold a, a burner supply. I, I, sold, I sold a burner and I laundered his cash. <laughs> so, I'm um, I'm helping all aspects of uh, society, but uh, yeah, so I'm kind of in the thick of that. So I'll be posting some of that stuff off tomorrow. Some other things have gone up tonight, um, and, and some other things went for sale on Sunday, mm-hmm. um, including my old iMac and some other kind of pricier items. So within within the next week and a half, most things would have either been sold or declared unsellable and one way or the other they'll be out of here which sort of ties into the topic because um a lot of the stuff that i have had sitting around and moving around with me as well from um from home to home haven't had any immediate purpose they've all been things that i've thought they might be useful i'll hang on to these they might be useful Mm -hmm. and they rarely are um and in some cases i keep them because they might have some value and I'll put them up on eBay. Um, and then I've spent an awful long time not getting anywhere near putting them on eBay. Mm. So any value that I think that they might have would be dwindling all the time. And it's sitting there and, and you think, well, that would probably net me, I don't know, 50 pounds. And then you spend the next two years not getting it on eBay. During that time, it's worth absolutely zero because it's got no use to you. It's just sitting around waiting for you to get rid of it. And then by the time you do put it up on eBay and it sells for £15, then you're thinking, oh, if only I... Sold it when? Yeah. I the, I mean, especially consumer, uh, especially electronics and stuff like that, they have... There's a period of time when they are desirable and it dwindles. It, it doesn't necessarily last. Very few things become rare. There's not really as much scarcity um, as there used to be. Things are only really valuable for the short amount of time that they're difficult to get hold of, but more of them will be manufactured or they'll become obsolete fairly soon. If you see what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that started happening with comics as well. Um, it used to be the case that if you got the first issue of something that no, that came out of nowhere, uh, like walking dead or, or something like that, the people weren't really expecting to come out. It, there wasn't really any hype. So, it suddenly just catches fire and everyone wants it, then it could normally keep its price for a while and, you know, it would become scarcer and scarcer as there were fewer of them around but more people got into it. And Because back then there wasn't so much second printing going on and third printing going on and mm. weekly reprints in the case of that book. And you were relying on, literally, that was the only way someone could get hold of it until the trade paperback came out. Yeah. But even that's that's not happening so much anymore. So yeah, you have to get rid of the stuff while you can. 
just uh, trying to find the actual full Fight Club passage. Because you know it's actually a Fight Club passage. Yes. I I I had I had come to think that it wasn't a Fight Club passage. I had convinced myself that it was some kind of uh, modern uh, modern interpretation of some ancient Buddhist like statement or something. Cohen, I guess. So, um, do Buddhists you, have cones? Do they what now? Have cones. K-O-A-N? I think that's how they're spelled. Oh, I, I thought you meant Cohen, as in Cohen Brothers? If, they, if, if they had their own filmmakers. I think they might do. I don't know. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a quote here. I don't know whether it's the full thing. It says, You buy furniture. You tell yourself, this is the last sofa I will ever need in my life. Buy the sofa... Then for a couple of years, you're satisfied that no matter what goes wrong, at least you've got your sofa issue handled. Then the right set of dishes, then the perfect bed, the drapes, the rug. Then you're trapped in your own lovely nest and the things you used to own, now they own you. That's exactly the passage that I had on my downstairs computer. Aha. Um, which um, which is the computer that's downstairs and, and uh, a whole bunch of software and stuff is only on that machine downstairs. And so I am tied to it for many, many things, thus proving that sometimes the things you own can own you. <laughs> Unanswered. Uh, okay, so this week, or this fortnight, or this show, <laughs> uh, however it works out, this show, uh, we're going to talk about the things you own owning you and i think we're probably both victims of this aren't we oh gosh yes um, yes and i know from your point of view the main thing would probably be comics um yeah yeah i'm looking at about 30 boxes of them from where i'm sitting what's probably more telling is i can see a shelf full of vinyl that i'm not even sure i still have the capability to play mm from here nearly all of which i can download from the internet if i want to or pick up on cd uh, yes comics are the thing i have accumulated the most of because i dearly love them but generally i just don't let things go i keep them i think partly it's genetic because my mother has a tendency to um hoard stuff and i've certainly picked up her mentality the difference between us though is she collects stuff like plates and mugs and things like that, but that she is never going to even look at. They're in cupboards or, or they're in, they, they literally just become a burden. She doesn't have, it's not like she's ever going to um, use them. There's no way she possibly could. She's very unlikely to sell them because even because she was doing this before things like eBay, so yeah. there was never going to be a venue for her to sell them, but she was always worried. She she always collected them, collecting against some future uh, investment. With her, it's very much about investment, I think. That's her rationale for it. With me, I kind of convinced myself that these things are all going to be useful or I'll be rereading them again, which sounds like dysfunction, except I quite often do. <laughs> so, So... I've been going through this great big process of putting all of my comics into a database online, which the internet gives us uh, the ability to do. 
but I have been rereading lots of them as I've been going through it. And, you know, I do hope to write comics and books and stuff. So it feels like having these things around is reference material rather than just um, craziness. Having said that, I do have more mugs than it's natural for someone our age to have as well, or my age to have as well. So maybe maybe that's all bullshit. Maybe I just am incredibly dysfunctional. Not with mugs. Mugs are very mm. sneaky things. They, um, they breed, mm. you know, in homes and offices across the land. Mugs are, mugs are the sort of thing that you never remember buying. There might be one or two that, because they're a funny shape or, you know, they had, a, I don't know, a Simpson on that you really liked, maybe that was important. Oh, yeah, this is the Bart Simpson mug I bought when I was 10 with my pocket money. Um, otherwise, you don't really remember buying them. Do they come with Easter eggs? Uh, are they gifts, like moving in gifts and things, and they just sort of accumulate like that? Lots of the nicer ones are. Yeah, I think. I've got two particular ones I'm, I can think of. Um, one with the Hulk on and one with Spider-Man on that were definitely both Easter eggs. There's a a thing to cycle back round to there um, as well later on where I, I quite often end up resenting people giving me something nice that I didn't really necessarily want because I know that if they give me a mug that is even remotely aesthetically pleasing with, a, with an Easter egg, then I'm going to be basically stuck with that for... There's going to be an obligation to keep it to them, but there'll also be an obligation to the item itself because I don't, um, I don't like the idea of. This is going to sound crazy, Steve, um, but I kind of don't like the idea of objects feeling abandoned. I, <laughs> I really. Oh, great! That's what you need—a household full of anthropomorphized objects. And you have, know, to, have to worry about the feelings of every last one of them. I totally personalise them. I mean, the interesting thing is that doesn't happen with comics or, or um, films and stuff like that. But items, I do end up feeling kind of sorry for. And before you know it, you find yourself kind of turning back and walking half halfway across the living room, apologising to the remote control for not putting it down gently enough. Yeah. And the remote control is the most passive-aggressive thing in the house as well, so that's always... a pain in the ass getting into any sort of dialogue with it at all yeah because they want you to smack them and push their buttons harder mm. well and but the interesting thing about it that i mean the thing about mugs you say that about they just accumulate and you don't really remember where you got them from but but they aren't generally an item that you if you do end up buying them they're not generally an item that you buy because it's rubbish you'll normally end up buying it because it, it pleases you on some aesthetic level yeah and to my mind, well, if it continues to please you on some aesthetic level, why would you want to get rid of it is is kind of how I feel, even at the point when you've got dozens of them. Yeah, but hang on a minute. The, the, the mugs that you buy that you like are yours, right? They're your mugs. Yeah. They're your mugs and they're not for guests. They're always yeah. going to be the ones that you drink from. The mugs that end up accumulating but you don't have the heart to deal with or get rid of or certainly almost fly under the radar until you open a cupboard up and you just realize that there is no more space for mugs mm. so the ones that the ones that often get gifted especially if it's like oh you've just moved in here's a pack of four mugs they're the one they're the useful ones the ones that hold a decent amount of drink but aren't too big you you don't want you know that sometimes there just might be a guest that you don't want them to stick around too long i'll give them the practical <laughs> size mug and they won't um wear out their welcome yeah they'll get they'll get the message yeah sure 
Especially if there aren't any biscuits. <laughs> Actually, crockery is an interesting one because I guess you haven't gone through this yet, although you are you are living with um, someone else and have done before. So you've maybe gone through that thing where the, there are certain things that are very much yours and that, you, that you're now having to deal with them becoming part of the communal the communal hours. And that's not so much the case necessarily with, with books or comics or things like that. But if it's food stuff, if it's plates and, and stuff like that, it's going to go into the mix. There's absolutely no way of avoiding that. And then maybe you've done the Ikea run where you're getting something nice that's both of yours rather than just your stuff that happens to have followed you around from house to house. When you get married, you then go through the whole thing of having to choose if you're daft like me and allow um, allow this particular thin end of the wedge to to get buried in your psyche somewhere. You end up buying, um, deciding on which crockery set to get, like which plates and glasses and bowls and stuff to get. Yeah, but it see that that kind of feels to me like. The idea is that you get one nice set and then you get rid of all of the stuff that was Nick's. I mean, that that was yours individually. So you don't need all of your crappy old plates that you've dragged around with you, even the really nice square black one that you've had for years, um, because you've got this nice uh, set. But it it seems to me like you've even got more of that than you're ever going to need most of the time. Like, we got six plates and six bowls and six of the deeper bowls. We never have six people around here. <laughs> it's very unlikely we're ever going to have six people around here. We've only just got room for six people around the, the round our dinner table. So really all having all of those things is an invitation to not not do the dishes quite as often. <laughs> exactly. That's, th- that's three days. Mm. Three days of dinners, three days of cereals. Exactly. Before you'd even have to contemplate doing the washing up. Which um, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Really, you should have enough that it forces you into doing stuff like that often because it's gross doing three days worth of washing up. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. There's a lot of soaking and a lot of elbow grease involved in three-day-old dishes. Yes, exactly. Whereas in, like, literally you just finished eating off them dishes, it's hardly any work at all. Yeah, especially if you don't really care how clean they are. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but you're never going to get rid of you're never going to get rid of any of those plates because what if you do have six people over? That's the thing that's in the back of your head, and I think that's why I've always kept hold of so many mugs. What if there is a point when you have twenty people round? Maybe someone died, and you're holding the funeral at your house, or or not the funeral, the wake. You wouldn't want a funeral at your house that's unlikely to happen but yeah or maybe you're having a really big uh, maybe you're having a magic the gathering tournament or something i don't know um, you know you're going to need all of those mugs because those people are going to want tea at some point maybe i mean that's the thinking behind it i guess unless they've just brought a 12 pack of red bull with them or something yeah, well, they're going to want glasses. That, oh, no, nobody bothers with glasses from it. Because Red Bull's in those really pleasing little um, cans. Uh, yeah, grasp-friendly cans. They are. They're great. They fit, really. They make you feel gigantic. Actually, I've got another really embarrassing thing to admit. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you know that I've been doing lots of gardening over the last few couple of years since mm. we've moved into this house. 
and we had a, a near drought earlier in the year where it looked like we weren't going to get enough rain. Well, I pulled something like six uh, two-pint milk bottles out of our recycling yesterday and put them in this big black dustbin I've got in the back garden to catch rainwater <laughs> in case I need it next year. And there's no logic to it at all. We're going to go through so many more bottles of milk that I could collect the <laughs> bottles for before it's even an issue. I'm not going to be able to use that water because it will be horribly tepid and useless by that point next year. But I'm just thinking, well, you know, I might need those bottles. So I'll pull them out of the recycling, put them to one side, and then I really need help, don't I? What was it about those two bottles in particular? The bottles? Yeah. Well, that it, I think what it is, is you get through so many of them and you throw so many of them in the recycling that it just feels like that you should be able to... They're still perfectly fine. You know, they just don't have milk in them anymore. They're still perfectly fine bottles. <laughs> I just feel like I should be able to wring some more use out of them. It wasn't like you had a particularly good day and you came home and you looked at the two of them and you said, boys, I've got a job for you. No, not at all. There's, there's that weird. I, I don't know. I don't know if you suffer from this, but I do sort of feel an obligation to the things I own that I'm going to look after them. I don't know if you've been around my comic collection for any real length of time, but I, I, I can be a little bit fidgety about other people reading that stuff because I kind of want to keep it in good condition, and that's not because I want to sell it on, really although it has worked in my favour that my stuff's in quite good condition. Mm. And it's only partially true when I say to people, my, my go-to excuse about this is all about this behaviour is always, well, you know, I would like my kids to enjoy this when I eventually have kids, although I don't know where we're going to put the kids when we do eventually have them because I have all of these comics that I want them to read when when they're older, these imaginary kids. But that's only partially true. Part of it as well is that I kind of feel obliged to these items, if I've got any enjoyment from them, to keep them in some sort of decent condition. So they would actually have less value to you if if other people thumbed through them too much or if you got them out of the box too much? Um, Well, I can get them out of the box because I'm quite careful with them. Uh... I don't know. I mean, I I actually kind of love lending stuff to I well, I love the idea of other people getting the same enjoyment out of things that I have. Mm. Uh, I just don't understand why they can't be more bloody careful. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't come with the 30 years of history, does it? To no. them it's just 24 pages. This is something that happens to me with everything though. This is I I feel like this about crockery. I've um, I think it's actually, I'm actually on record as getting really funny about this. I don't understand why, and because I'm a like, passive-aggressively abusive spouse, um, my wife is starting to not do this quite so much. But I've met so many people who, when they're piling up used dishes or something, or they're just, they're, they're, they've drunk out of their mug or whatever and they put it down, they just leave it really near to the edge of the table. <laughs> and when they, when they pile up plates, they pile up, they, they leave a knife and fork on the bottom plate and then they pile up a plate that doesn't quite match on top of that one and then they just pile it up and it's like, well, you're, you're asking for that stuff to fall over. 
that's that's why you're always breaking stuff because because you're just not being mindful when you do that stuff. And so another thing that I've seen is, um, and it happens sometimes with the podcast, the other podcast I do, the comic one. I just don't understand how when there are comics on the floor, people aren't more careful about where they're treading. There's not anyone in particular, and it never happens with my stuff. Uh, one of my Momcast colleagues um, always puts his comics on the sofa next to him and then hardly ever fails not to sit on them. It's just <laughs> every week, and I don't understand how it happens. These people, the, you know, these people who might accidentally sit on their own comics or who mm. are recklessly stacking plate upon cutlery upon plate, they're in charge of their stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. They know what the pecking order is. They've, yeah. they've made it clear who's in charge. So what you're saying is that they're actually quite well adjusted on this score compared to me, maybe. They're treating these objects as, as less valuable. Yeah, but, but how does that make the objects feel, Steve? <laughs> I mean, I nobody I ever know. stops to think about that except me and, and possibly you. I, I don't know. They may need their lawyer. I've lived away from the family home now for um, 11 years now. Uh-huh. 11 years? 10 years? 10 and a half years. Split okay. down the middle. Split 10 and a half years. Yep. And I've lived in one, two, three, four different places in that time. And, um, I've accu- obviously naturally you do as you go along, you accumulate more things as you go along. Some of these things are useful to you. Some of these things you use every day and other things you've just carried along with you. Uh, one thing that you mentioned and, and you're carrying still with you at the moment that, that, that I've carried all that time is vinyls, vinyl records. Yeah. And almost every time I've moved, I've revisited the stack of vinyl records that I've got and made a decision about what's coming with me this time and which records are going to have to go to a charity shop. I've got under, under half of what I started with. And a lot of the vinyls that I took on, I didn't buy them, I just took them on, were the vinyls that my dad owned. He passed away in 1995, and we moved out of the big family home that we were in for a long time in, in, in 1999. And I'd sort of adopted these records as mine, I guess, because A, I was interested in music and B, they were my dad's. And it felt like by having them, I was more connected, I guess. Yeah. This, this was this was the memento I chose to keep. And I guess I guess at the time I kept them for the right reasons. But all they've done ever since is take up shelf space and be an absolute pain to move. Because <laughs> yeah, these but- things are heavy. They're, They're like very the he- dense. Outside yeah. of an awkward piece of furniture, vinyl records are the heaviest things you're going to move. Yeah. And Testify. these things would take like two <laughs> or three boxes worth, and you'd, and you'd have to take them up real good. And, you you know, if you were moving them or someone else was helping you move, you'd have to go, oh, you've got to just support it on the bottom, otherwise they're all going to fall out. I haven't had the heart to get rid of all of them, mm-hmm. but I've got rid of a good amount of them. I think if I was going to be really honest with myself, I'd get rid of a lot more of them. Maybe have at most a baker's dozen of of what is identifiably my dad's records and not have the rest. Because even though I do have a record player, it's in the cupboard and I haven't used that in a long time. So 
it's an albatross, is it? It's just kind of moving around with you from place to place. It's part of you. You feel like it's yeah. part of you. You don't have the heart to let it go. But it's not serving day in, day out any purpose at all. And it's sitting there and it's, you know, while you're not looking at it, touching it, giving it your attention, it's got zero value. Yeah. There are a lot of things like that that, have, that I've carried with me because I think that, that I am connected to them, that they're part of me. Why I've started to think differently about it now is because I can't bear to move this stuff again. <laughs> the practicality of it's just yeah. got to be too it's much. Not, it's yeah. not like I've, I've had a moment where, I'm just go- where I've just kind of stopped and said, do you know what, Steve? Pragmatically, you don't use this stuff, it should go. Mm. The actual drive is, I don't want to move this again. Maybe I should do something about it before I have to move again. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I should be more honest with myself, but I've actually used something else as the reason to get rid of this stuff. It's more convenient to do that. Along with the vinyl records, there's another thing that has moved around with me for the last 10 years that I've been meaning to deal with for maybe the last four years. And it will, it will sound absurd now, but mm-hmm. when I had them, when I acquired them 12 years ago, and for the preceding, I don't know, four, maybe five years, they had a lot of value and they meant a lot. And that was my wealth of wrestling videotapes, VHS right. tapes. These things followed me around for years. I, I bought a whole stack of them secondhand from a friend of mine. I bought 50 of them, all retail tapes of uh, WWF from the late 80s and throughout the 90s. And... I, I bought them from him. He didn't want them anymore. He was having a clear out. And I'm like, oh, great bargain. I'll have them. And I watched them a lot at the time and for the, for the years coming up. And I guess there was a point in the, in the mid 2000s when I wasn't watching them as frequently. I still had a VHS player, but I wasn't watching them as frequently. Mm-hmm. And um, the last move but one, very, very few of them came out of the cardboard boxes that they were stored in. And then they moved here to where I am now, and I've never watched one of them. <laughs> have you still got a VHS player, though? Still have a VHS player. All right. And there are, there are some VHS tapes that I still have, because some of them have some old college work on, and others are things recorded off the TV. And, and, and these last VHS tapes I'm keeping, because ultimately they're going to get transferred onto my computer. Yeah. And they will be turned into video files and they'll sit on a hard drive. And they will still own me, but they'll own me in a much <laughs> more convenient fashion. Much more compact, yeah. Yes. I was going to say, it, 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 even if I digitised all of my vinyl, I'd still... They they basically occupy the, a similar space, which is I still wouldn't be deleting them off my hard drive, <laughs> but I wouldn't really be accessing them that often, probably. I, mean, yeah, I, I think you... I mean, I've still got some vhs but that's the last thing that's the most recent thing that i've managed to start letting go of because we now no longer have a way of playing it which wasn't a choice it wasn't a decision i made at my video player just stopped working so but i mean the, the, the films for example any films that i've had on vhs they were replaced but there was something about this collection of wwf videotapes that had some meaning in the form that they took, hmm. but they weren't that important to me that I would, you know, that I was going to replace them. I, I wasn't going to spend an awful lot more money than I did for secondhand VHS tapes to have them as DVDs 
we were at this weird juncture where I felt like I needed them or I felt like they were part of my life, but they weren't important enough for me to, um, to replace them. The ship had clearly sailed for me to do anything about selling them on eBay. Yeah. Cause no one's going to buy VHS tapes. And I guess for the, I, I, the best part of the last year, they've just been sitting there and I know I've known that I've had to get rid of them. <laughs> it's the it's a combination of a few things though isn't it it's the artifact itself is important because it's the combination of when who you were when you were watching them yep how you obtained them might have been important because it felt like an achievement or whatever at the time if that makes sense i've still got a whole bunch of um action figures around here somewhere that i i have a very clear memory of my mum getting as a hand-me-down from someone else when I, when I was younger and they were my first proper bunch of toys and that feels like it means something to me not my first proper bunch of toys my first proper bunch of star wars action figures um and yeah you can remember what you can remember sitting down clunking the video in the video player and watching them and that's a memory that feels if not worth hanging on to it kind of feels like it's difficult to let go of. I, yeah. I get that. I kind of get that. And you, I think you hit on something when you were talking about your vinyl. Obviously, there's an emotional connection with certain things. Even if it isn't a connection to a person, there's a connection to um, you at that particular point mm-hmm. in your life. I, I know that one of the reasons I keep hold of a lot of my vinyl is because at the point when I started buying it, being able to, you had to save up to buy, I had to save up my pocket money to buy a particular album. Yeah. And so that's the earliest, one of the earliest things where I was working, I was doing a job and then, you know, I felt like I earned them and I had to think about each one, not like buying 10 CDs at three pound a pop now or whatever, or just downloading a whole bunch of albums all at once and then not really listening to them. Each, each object means something. But the other thing is I've got a really bad memory generally and because I've got a really bad memory, somewhere in the back of my mind, I think I'm quite concerned that if I get rid of these things, I will forget that they ever existed or that I ever enjoyed them or they ever meant anything to me. And then that becomes quite an existential thing. Mm. I'm worried those things and that part of my life will just cease to exist if I don't have these reminders of it around, I guess. I know where you're coming from. And I, I sort of had this really strange moment a couple of weeks ago when the decision was finally made that these videos are leaving and I opened the boxes and I went through all of the videos and, and made a value judgment. Are any of these so important that I'm going to keep them, even though I will probably never watch them again. Mm. And, you know, and soon enough I won't have a VHS player and it's just a box. It's just an artifact. Yeah. And I could make arguments but they, they're all excuses. They're like, oh, but this one, because, you know, there was this match or it was significant, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not a wrestling historian. I'm not that big of a wrestling <laughs> fan anymore. Why yeah. am I keeping them? And I just kind of snapped them and right, that's it. They are all going. And they're yeah. not going to a charity shop and they're not going on eBay. I'm taking them to the tip. They are just going. But it was painful. It was painful to, to admit that. On, on Monday morning, I was going to take these to the tip. and there was this 10, 15 minute period where I was sort of pacing around the flat and I wasn't quite ready to take them out. Does that make sense? Like, um, I knew it had to be done, but I just needed, 
time to collect myself just to feel ready to do it. And then they went in the car and I took them to the tip. And to start with, I was, I was taking the paper out of the cases thinking, well, this paper can be recycled. They can go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the council workers who was standing there said, said, you don't need to worry about that. Just throw them in. So I did. And that was that. And I got in my car and I drove away. And that was, that was me cutting a significant cord. I mean, it doesn't sound like much, but this was a moment that was saying there is a part of me that I thought still existed that hasn't existed and hasn't existed mm. for, for years. And I just hadn't faced up to it. These fucking tapes had so much of a hold on me because I thought that this was some deep connection that I had. And this summed up who I was. And it was, they just ended up being just stuff that got in the way that needed to go. Mm. I wonder how many times in a week those council workers get to feel like, uh, a micro-therapist. <laughs> yeah. It must... The amount of... Uh, All I needed was a hand on the shoulder and said, it's okay, you can just let them go. And I would have probably cried. The amount of times a week that must happen, the little things they see people getting rid of like that, oh, my goodness. No, it's just... It is crazy. I understand it entirely, but it is kind of odd. You know, most of the time you don't even really like who you were when you were... Yeah, when you had true. your connection with these things. So it's kind of weird. I still really like owning, um, on an ongoing basis, I prefer having paper copies of comics mm, yeah. and, and things like, and books to having digital copies. Part of it, part of that is that aesthetically, I, I struggle reading stuff digitally anyway. But part of it is I just like owning it. But... I've been thinking about it a little bit today as the half-life of stuff. It feels good. It obviously feels good buying stuff. It releases endorphins if you're buying stuff that you really want. It feels good. But there's a point at which, if it's a regular thing you're you're doing, it stops feeling quite so good, I think, and it starts becoming an obligation. I've kind of said that, for, for as I've kind of written down here, I've actually written written stuff down, um, that as long as something, as long as you can still think of something as a novelty, in comic terms, let's say about the first three or four issues of a really good book, mm. of a really good comic, then you're still getting that that nice endorphin kick every time you buy it, and then when you sit down to read it, it still feels really good. But after a while, even if the quality hasn't really dropped, I guess it's like any sort of addiction or any sort of drug, really. Even if the quality hasn't dropped either you're not getting the same kick or the kick is the same, but it doesn't feel as good because you felt it so many times before. So you, you either just keep buying the thing out of a sense of obligation um, because you still need that little kick you keep getting from it, or yeah. you end up buying more new things. You end up, I've, I've said to colleagues at work that if they start seeing stuff coming from Amazon um, to me at work, then it means I'm not happy at work. <laughs> Because I'll go through phases and um, first I'll like pick up a book and that'll turn up and that'll feel really good. But then I'll know, well, I need to not just get one book. Like this is why I never end up reading manga for very long, um, even though it's often amazing compared to um, its Western counterparts. Because once I'm on the third or fourth volume of a book, the the kick of actually buying it has just diminished so much that, yeah, I want to read the rest of the story, but not as much as I want to feel good about spending, like, £10 on something brand new that's going to come through the door. I can certainly relate to that when it comes yeah. to comics. Absolutely. 
I still have, I mean, it's much shorter now, but I, I, I still have a pile of unread comics. Mm. Um, and I'd never really bought that many. I guess there was a point where I wasn't reading as many comics on a regular basis. And so this pile starts to build up. And before you know it, you're buying, you're buying new comics that mm. you haven't read and you will continue buying the issues without reading them without actually knowing whether you like it. Whether it's any good or, yeah. I've got six or seven issues of, um, of, of one one comic. I can't, the, the name of it escapes me at the moment. <laughs> Which tells you something. It does, doesn't it? And I just, I just kept buying them. Read Gunther. That was it, Read Gunther. Right. I haven't read an issue. I picked up issue one and I thought, oh, that looks like the sort of thing I'll enjoy reading. I've got eight issues of them. I haven't read one yet. As much as I enjoy reading comics, I started to adopt this identity that I am a comic reader mm. in the same way that, you know, oh, yes, I like watching wrestling events. Now, all of a sudden, I am a comic reader, and so I must make some sort of commitment. You know, I'm not even reading on a regular basis, but I'm sort of reminding myself that I am one by just buying more stuff. Yeah. Certainly for me, I'd almost completely weaned myself off this weekly habit. And that's what it is. I mean, it's once you're in that mode of going, yeah, once you're in that mode of going to the uh, comic shop once a week for whatever reasons, and it doesn't take long for a routine to happen, Mm. the idea of going in there and then coming away with hardly anything just becomes, uh, it's almost like, it's almost like I can't bear the disappointment of having spent my lunchtime in a comic shop without anything to show for it, which is ridiculous. I was drinking tea. I get these things from this company called Tea Pigs. Okay. And you get these these particular sorts of teas because I had to I had to stop drinking coffee because I was finding that was really uh, really messing with my uh, chi. So I started getting tea from this company called Tea Pigs, and the teas are very tasty, even though I've never been particularly a sort of a tea person before. And the process of buying them is very nice as well. The website's very easy to navigate. You order the stuff. They do special offers if you buy more than a certain amount, as most places do, but all of that stuff's designed to feel nice when you're buying it. And I understand the process, but I'm, I still respond to it. And when they turn up, they turn up in these lovely little uh, cardboard boxes and the design on them is all lovely and, and designed in a way that makes you feel included in this sort of family of nice people who drink this special tea. And I've been doing that for about six months. And I was looking at a box of the tea today and I was taking my tea bag out and I realised at that particular point, you know, this doesn't actually feel all that exciting anymore. <laughs> I am literally just drinking this tea because I've got this tea. I am a person who now drinks this tea. Uh, it's no longer an exciting new thing I'm doing. It's just become a thing. It's just a routine now. And so I'm going to need to find some other routine that kickstarts my uh, my day. But I'll probably still be stuck with the, the tea pigs thing at the same time because the idea of stopping feels a bit weird. I still haven't stopped Grey's boxes. I, I'm just the perfect mark for companies like this. <laughs> if you can, if, if there is some way of getting something nice and cardboard delivered to me at my desk at work, then I'm in, I'm, I'm going to be there. 
And um, and then once I'm in, I'm going to find it very difficult to get myself out again. See, this just points to you finding another job, doesn't it? Because it's, it's all about <laughs> it's all about. I just need something to keep me going at my desk. I always like stuff, though. I think if I was at home, I'd probably. I guess I still come very much from. I'm I'm a little bit older than most of the people I hang out with, and I still come very much from this place where we still used to write letters to each other sometimes and the only time you got something through the door it was either you know people still got mail and you got parcels and they were normally presents that somebody had had thought to send you or something i guess if i was at home the idea of just the door going and me and the dog running to see what had happened at the door and it just being always being junk mail i think would chip away at me to be honest, I think I need there to be other stuff coming to the door. Nobody ever sends letters anymore. No, they're always rubbish, the ones that do come through. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you mean people actually still write you letters, but they're idiots? No. No. No, <laughs> just the letters that come through are either, hey, you owe us money, or, hey, you could spend some money. <laughs> I think maybe we're getting slightly better as a society, but the damage might already be done in terms of, I think a lot of our economic problems come from very rich people screwing people, but a lot of them come from how abstract the whole relationship with buying stuff became when suddenly everybody could get hold of a credit card and everybody could get a mortgage for that period of time when banks were just throwing it at us. And so... Credit cards are the, the thing that muddies this relationship with objects the most, isn't it? Because we're back to what I was saying about my vinyl meaning so much to me because so much of it I had to save up for. But being handed a piece of plastic and most of us not really being able to make the psychological leap to thinking of that as actual money means that we end up with this, we end up buying stuff and it may be not meaning so much to us, but we've got it anyway. And actually, I'd kind of sooner have spent all this money on stuff and still care about it than have spent all this money on stuff and really not know why I fucking bought it in the first place. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying there isn't stuff like that in my house because there is some stuff, but but I can look at most of the stuff I own and even if I'll never be able to get through it all again, um, and, you know, the older I get, the more likely it is I'll never get to read all of the books I've got again or anything like that. I at least know why I bought it. Yeah. And I at least care about it. Money hasn't become meaningless to me. I don't know. There's this conflict, isn't there? There's this friction between people kind of, I think all of us would kind of like things to be a a bit more minimal. We'd like to have less stuff around just because we've seen what that looks like on TV or or in Ikea. And it seems very appealing. It's definitely a phase I'm going through at the moment. It's taking a long time because, as I said earlier, a lot of it is kind of admitting that there are parts of me that don't really exist anymore. Yeah. And some of this stuff is, you know, being sold at the moment. I think one probably one of the hardest things I'll have to deal with, but I do intend to deal with it at some point, is uh, the video game collection. Mm. It's one thing having an Xbox and a few games, which I do, but then to also have a lot of Dreamcast stuff, a lot of PS2 stuff, some Nintendo 64 and GameCube stuff that, again, is all sitting around actually not doing much day in, day out. Except I think that one day I'm going to be able to, you know, I'm going to be able to play on some of it. Do you know what um, I mean? That stuff has to go as well, but that that seems like the hardest thing to let go of at the moment, so I'm leaving it till last. 
Uh, I'm keeping my GameCube games because um, my kids are going to have the GameCube and we'll have a den. The main the main uh, game consoles will go in the with the with the grown up telly in the proper room, but then the kids will be able to play on the old classic games. And I'm going to recreate um, I'm going to recreate in them my formative years. Not that my formative years were on the GameCube because I'm old as fuck. So I was in my twenties or thirties by the time it came out. But you know, I'm going to as much as possible. I'm going to try and recreate the cultural background and life I had in them. Um, so as but, any responsible parent would do, you're instilling the very best of your anxieties in your offspring. Well, what I'm a little bit concerned about is I, I kind of want them to grow beyond me. I understand that in principle is a good thing. I get it. But what I don't want is for them to be so well adjusted that when they're old enough, they'll realize quite how broken I am. Because, because they're going to hate me when they're in their teens anyway. That's yeah, just a given, given. right? But uh, I'd, I'd like to know that I'd like to know that they're just doing it because they're teenagers, not because they've really seen through me. They're going to think they've seen through me anyway. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's the lie I tell myself. That's why I haven't got rid of any of my GameCube games. So I guess the question is, how much of a problem is this? I mean, obviously, there's a practical issue of carrying all of this stuff around all the time. Yeah. But if you're likely to be staying put and, you know, you, you like having the stuff, it, it feels good to have it. Is it so bad? Well, this is what attics are made for. And anything that you can't really feel like you can let go of ends up not kind of invading any physical space, but it just gets tucked away somewhere for safekeeping. Yeah. Is, it, it's funny because whatever vinyl I have left will almost go full circle. There will be a point where I buy a place with an attic and that's where I'll end up sitting. And your kids will end up having it, not realising that you, not realising that it's from, like, a further back generation even than you. Yeah, I guess. One um, day, Simba, this will all be yours, <laughs> and you're going to be, stuck and you're going to be really anxious about those trees over there. <laughs> um, I guess there was a point when it became, it went from being something that was nice to have around to being something that we really feel the weight of sometimes. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just feeling melodramatic because of because uh, we've been talking about this. It's not like drug addiction. We're not actually hurting ourselves having this stuff. Probably. I mean, there's maybe a psychic chipping away there. But sometimes it can feel good, and everyone needs their release, don't they? Mm. When we have this stuff, are we responding to? Is it sometimes because there's something else in our life that isn't quite going right, I as we've so. said before? Yeah. yeah. And I guess the trick is, you might not admit it at the time, but I think the trick will be to recognise it as soon as you can after the event, so you're not carrying it around with you longer than necessary. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you're happy with who you are now, Clap your hands. Where your life, <laughs> or where your life is, then you don't mind letting go of the other stuff. So... It's a symptom, not a cause. That's something mm. I've written with a question mark after it. But I think we've established that it's a symptom, not a cause. And the issue probably is that, like, you've probably got other stuff. Maybe your boss hates you or your girlfriend hates you. Or, you know, other people that meet you in the street hate you. And if owning stuff gives you some relief rather than kicking puppies or something like that, it's not so bad. So I don't have to feel guilty about all of this crap i'm surrounded by 
Not all the time. Not all the time. Just when my, my, my wife makes me feel guilty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just when someone else says to you, are you going to do something about that? Do you really? <laughs> when was the last time you used this thing? <laughs> my face dirt cheap. I, I, I'm, I just generally trust that the universe will. <laughs> You're an agent of the universe, so you will provide one way or another. That's fine. Cool. Do I get a badge? I think I think agents of the universe do get a badge, but only yes. um, only once they've hit their sixtieth sixty day chip. I, that might be Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not sure. Oh, that's a callback almost. That's impressive. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, in the back of my head, I'm still ticking over on this uh, The Good Life fantasy where I'm Richard Bryars and I'm making use of everything that comes along and I'm getting to have sex with a young Felicity Kendall. Envious. Yeah, well, that Felicity Kendall doesn't even exist anymore. I mean, you know, she nearly does. She's still quite attractive for an older lady, but she's no older Jenny Agatha, I'll, I'll tell you that straight <laughs> It all requires just a small recalibration. Yeah, not even that small, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I'd say the level of recalibration probably changes depending on how long an enforced period of celibacy has been in place. <clears throat> we have a gap. Skype. It's connecting. And I just thought my line fell flat it's ass. yep how would you rate the overall quality of this call had some problems that affected the call call ended unexpectedly there were cutoffs and fade outs send feedback Okay, so the call um, has dropped, uh, so the clock should really stop at um, eight. What are we at? Forty-eight p.m. So we've had seventeen minutes so far. Wait for Nick to come back online, and um, Skype is paused. Actually, that's going to be frustrating. Got a text message from Nick. Let's have a look. Still connected to the internet, but Skype is having So let's check the emails. sorts of weird stuff coming through now. Oh, I'm okay, thanks. And how are you? Text message from Nick. I'm just giving you an update. Um, restarting his machine. Skype died. So... Keep an eye on... Time. 
So This really interrupts the flow, doesn't it? All right, Nick is online. This connection, please say you're not still talking. So, um, at 44th, 4533. Hello. Hello. I have no idea what happened there. Skype just had a gut attack. It did, didn't it? It had a, it, it totally, it had a gut attack. It's gut exploded. <laughs> oh, well... So what was your joke? Or would it fall flat now? You had to be there. Oh, shit. I kind of was there. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I was just... I was just uh, we, were, we were talking about uh, recalibration, weren't we, on the yeah. Jenny Agatha and Felicity Kendall front. And I was just saying that uh, the level of recalibration would differ depending on the length of the period of enforced celibacy. Yes. Oh, yes. No, that's true. Yeah. It would have been better the first time around, though. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. You oh, can well. you can take the laugh I just did there. That'd be fine. <laughs> what I'll do is I'll take it and then I'll just sort of um, time stretch it a little bit and then double it up so it makes <laughs> everything sound funnier. It'll be like the, an Inception laugh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> With added foghorn. <laughs> In the background, it'll be fantastic. <laughs> 